0: You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnPackers. You can like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find LockedOnPackers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin, and anywhere you find podcasts. It's the number one Packers podcast in the world, in the universe, that exists. And it's also the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. We are continuing our off-season report card series with the defensive line. It is a position that I've wanted to talk about for a long time because it is one of those that I hear from fans a lot and it is where I tend to disagree the most with fans about the need to improve at that position. When the Packers season ends the way it does, there's an intuitive jump to say they need to bolster their front. They need to play bigger. They need to play stronger. They need to get better defensive linemen, better linebackers. They need to be bigger, stronger, faster, all those things. And some of that is true. They do need to get faster linebackers, and they do need to get better defensive line play. It is not enough to say, though, that, oh, they just need to get bigger, faster, stronger. It's not specific enough because when the Packers are stacking their offseason needs, they have other needs too. They have you know, the, the receiver two position they need to worry about. They have offensive tackle futures they need to worry about. What's the future of the running back position? Are they going to pay Aaron Jones? And if not, are they going to plan for the future? Could Jamal Williams be a surprise cut to save a couple million dollars? All of these things are on the table and things that Green Bay has to figure out. So where does defensive line fall in the pecking order? And the reality is, it just doesn't matter that much. In a piece I wrote for SB Nation earlier this week, I looked at the positions of value. And we talked about it on this show. What we didn't talk specifically about, though, is the defensive line value. Of all of the positions, we're talking quarterback, running back, you know, tackle, guard, all of the positions... Defensive line ranked in terms of total points, value created. Defensive line was third to last, only ahead of centers and running backs. And if you take away Aaron Donald, okay, take away the outlier, the absolute anomaly at the position, the second best interior defender last year. So we're talking about guys in the Fletcher Cox sphere their value in terms of what they created for their team would have been, this is the second best, would have been 16th among receivers, 19th among linebackers, 11th among offensive tackles, and 14th among safeties. Even if you're one of the best interior defensive linemen in the league, you don't move the needle that much. Now, it is true that Green Bay against the 49ers got outplayed and their guys didn't play well enough. Don't be all time bad. Okay. That is the baseline expectation for any team, regardless of who plays. Dean Lowry was not great this year, Tyler Lancaster was not great this year, Kenny Clark was good this year. They did not play great against the 49ers. And more than that, they didn't even play to their season averages. Just play okay defense, relative to their norms even. And Green Bay would have been in that game, and they would have been in that game for for myriad other reasons. But part of the bigger picture here is that run defense just doesn't matter that much. Of the 12 playoff teams, six had defenses against the run, according to Football Outsiders, so we're adjusting for schedule. Half of them had bottom-half defenses, Four of those six won at least one game in the playoffs. All four of those teams were ranked 22nd or worse. So we're talking about bottom 10 run defenses. Two of those teams were conference finalists, and one of them won the Super Bowl in a game where they gave up 6.4 yards per carry. Run defense just doesn't matter that much. It just doesn't, as long as you're not all-time bad. Being, being all-time bad in a game can get you beat. There's no question about it. Don't be all-time bad, okay? That is the, that is the baseline. But if, if the, the answer to the question is what is the value of a position, if the answer is don't be all-time bad and, you're, and you'll be fine, then that position doesn't actually have that much value if the only thing that can hurt you is a significant outlier performance in the in the negative it's just not that valuable a position if you've been a listener to this podcast i'm sure you've heard all of the great advertisers working with the locked on family to reach sports fans local brands like frederic and the medical college of wisconsin brewtown trading co and national brands like manscaped draft kings And myriad others, you may not know that Locked On Packers is a great way for your local business to also reach passionate Packer fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners, not just any podcast listener. A Locked On podcast listener is different. They're special, and especially the Locked On Packers audience is educated, they're loyal, and they want to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockdownpodcasts.com slash advertising or just hit me up on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve locked on advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising or hit me up on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. So just how bad was it for the Packers? Well, here's something that we also have to take into consideration. Mike Patton, since he became the defensive coordinator in Green Bay, has not played more than two defensive linemen 60-plus percent of snaps. So he wants to be in sub-package. He wants to be in those two defensive linemen fronts. Now, that, that means you have to account for that when you're looking at the kinds of players that, that you have. And I'm not sure that Dean Lowry, for example— is the ideal fit there, but they paid him. He's going to be the guy, and he was not particularly good last year. Dean Lowry was a C-minus for me, and it is is unacceptable for him to have just disappeared from games the way that he has. He can get ridden out too easily, uh, particularly against double teams. He was 83rd among interior defenders, according to Pro Football Focus. That is in the bottom half of guys who played at least 20% of snaps. He was not good, did not play to that contract, had a disappointing season. Now, he is uh, an average player. He is in that 60 to 80 range in terms of defensive linemen in the league. So his play is going to fluctuate. He's going to give you good games. He's going to give you bad games. And you just hope those bad games do not coincide with other players' bad games, and now you're getting beat. Right now, they don't have enough guys around him, enough other rotation-level players to put in if he's not playing well. And so this is where someone like Montrevius Adams, who is going into year three, a huge year for him as a former third-round pick. Remember that stat among, among guys who played 20% of snaps on the interior defensive line? Montrevius Adams, according to Pro Football Focus, was the third worst defensive lineman in football last year. The third worst. That's an F. An F. And he was someone Kenny Clark had signaled out as, hey, he had a great offseason. He came in looking great, in great shape. He's playing well. And he did play well and showed some things in training camp and in preseason. And yet they didn't translate on the field. Had some issues staying healthy. He needs to make that jump. And Brian Gutekind sounded upbeat, sounded like he felt like he could make that jump said he was going to play a lot more for Matt LaFleur, and I am I am taking him at his word. I don't think defensive line is going to be a priority for the Packers. Now, that that doesn't mean that they will do nothing. I just don't think it's going to be a priority, in part because Kingsley Kiki, who I'm going to give an incomplete, didn't play enough snaps. Uh, he Had he qualified, he would have outgraded Dean Lowry from pro football focus. Now, of course, those numbers are not everything. But I liked what I saw from from Kiki in the limited snaps that he got. He is he is still figuring it out. He still he's really learning to play a new position because he played a little bit more all over. Played a little bit more three technique in college. Played some defensive end in college, and now he's learning a different kind of system—a system that has some more nuance—and and he's going to move around there as well. So hopefully, in year two, he, he can get his body where he needs it to play the position that he does. I like Kingsley Kiki, but he's an incomplete. And Tyler Lancaster, second-highest-graded defensive lineman for me. And he was a C. A C. He was sort of right at an average player. Uh, And to me, that's a C. I know technically average is a D, but he's not expected to give you a ton of snaps in 30% of snaps, something like that, 36% of snaps last season. He He doesn't make a difference. He just shows up, he's a lunch pail guy, and that's fine. He just shouldn't be your starter in base. That is a position they could improve. I think Dean Lowry as a secondary starter next to Kenny Clark is fine. It's really more that third guy was supposed to be Montrevious Adams, and it couldn't be because he hasn't been good enough. And if it's Kingsley, Kiki, or Adams, I think that, that gives them a boost next to Lancaster, or excuse me, instead of Lancaster. And then you can play Kenny Clark fewer snaps. There's no reason Kenny Clark has to play 80% of snaps. You'd like him in that 70% range. And they I think they'd like to do that with the Smiths too. They just have to have players that they feel comfortable giving those guys a little bit of rest. No, I don't think they played too many snaps. I don't think that's the reason that they didn't play well against the 49ers because they played really well against the Seahawks, that front did. So it's just not an excuse. Kenny Clark was a B player to me. And that's, that's being a little uncharitable, I think. He's probably B+. Plus. Pro Football Focus had him as the 11th best interior defender, um, one of the best at creating pressure. I, I just felt like uh, early in the season he did not play at that same level. In the second half of the season, he's an A player. So, you know, th- from that standpoint, yeah, maybe I'm being a little uncharitable. Maybe he should be a B plus player. You know, what was a B plus in the grade book? An 87, something like that. I don't, I don't, I don't exactly remember. <laughs> I didn't get many of them. And I'd like to say that was because I was getting all A's but you know it wasn't he he was like you know if, if an 87 88 is a B plus no an a minus was a 90 I think and then a B plus is like an 88 89 so he was like an 87 it's like on the upper range of a B I'm gonna I'm gonna dock him points for a slow start to the season and I just have high expectations for him uh but he had a really good season and 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 was deservedly You know, I think a Pro Bowl caliber season. So, okay, I've talked myself into it. He's a B plus player. All right, so free agency. Are there players at defensive line who can help the Packers? Well, sure there are. But what are they going to cost? The reality for the Packers is they are not in an advantageous situation with the cap, and a lot of these players are going to cost a lot of money. Some of the names that Packer fans have thrown at me, guys like, you know, Leo Williams. The Giants traded for him to pay him. They are going to pay him. Guys like Gerald McCoy and Andamacan Sue are still going to want to get paid even if they, they want to chase a ring. I don't think they fit with what Green Bay wants. They don't really fit schematically with what Green Bay wants, so they are off the table. Michael Brockers is a player who I do think could fit what Green Bay wants, but is going to cost too much and, as we discussed earlier in the show, is is just not spending money or at least spending top-of-market money on defensive linemen who do not move the needle, and the names I mentioned at this point in their respective careers do not move the needle, it doesn't make sense to spend a lot on them in free agency. It just doesn't. So what are the Packers going to do there? To me, there are two potentially appealing names. One is one we've talked about before, that is Damon Harrison. Snacks is someone who still wants to play, and if he is healthy, he can be a people mover in the run game. Is going to make tackles, a lot of them. Is going to make a difference in the run game, and is probably not going to cost a ton. Could you get him for six million this year? That is something that that could be workable for the Packers. You know, you you move on from Lane Taylor. You move on. You move on from Jimmy Graham. You extend Brian Bulaga. You have room to get a Damon Harrison, another name that that could be interesting. Michael Pierce from the Ravens has the connection with Milt Hendrickson, who was in the front office when they brought Pierce in. He's, he's a different kind of body type, 6-flat, 309, 27 years old, so in the range that that Brian Gutekinds brought in last year. And Track has his projected value in that $4.7 million range. That is not dissimilar from what the Packers are, are paying Dean Lowry. So, you know, that that is what a starting defensive lineman costs. Do they want to pay three of them in a year where they only are probably going to play two of them, 60% of snaps? Maybe, maybe not. But Dean Lowry, if he's only playing 35% of snaps, maybe he is more effective for you. Maybe he is a better player for you. And so maybe from a value standpoint, that is the right way to do it. I think spending more than $6 million on a defensive lineman doesn't make sense. The same way I don't think spending high-value draft capital on defensive linemen makes sense either. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. So I want to spend some time on this because I know that there are a lot of Packer fans who are interested in this draft on the defensive line. And I'll post a mock draft and they'll go, but you didn't get this guy. You didn't get that guy. You didn't get a defensive lineman, et cetera, et cetera. I have a take. And it is not a take for take's sake, but it is a take that I believe. Regardless of who is available at 30, I would not take a defensive lineman. Would not take a defensive lineman. I've watched the the consensus top 50-ish guys. So I haven't watched 50 players. But the guys who are consensus top 50 players, right now that's 8 guys. And I'll watch more, but right now that is that is the list of guys that I'm looking at because I want to see the top of, of the class at each of these positions. I just don't love any of them. I just really don't. And the value is not there. It's just not there. I, I don't see a player worth taking when you're, you're going to have other options, when there's going to be receivers, when there's going to be linebackers, when there's going to be offensive linemen, even safeties that are are potentially more impactful on not just the game in general, but on your team specifically. I just don't see the value. And I'm talking about including Javon Kinlaw and Derek Brown. Not interested. Not at 30. That includes Ross Blacklock that some people have. I I think I saw ESPN the other day had, had him as a top 15 player. That's a no. I just don't see it. So if you're Green Bay I think you're looking a little bit further down the line. Is someone like Rayquan Davis going to fall? There are some guys I like in the second round range. Rayquan Davis, the kid from Texas A and M, Justin Matabuike. i don't know how to say his last name. I, I will learn that one uh, soon. I'm just not there yet. Um, th- those are guys in the second round that that you know you could have some interest in, and, and I'm cool with. Um, you know, Jordan Elliott at Missouri—is that someone? who's going to fall you know he's he's getting some first round projections i wouldn't i would not be into him as a first round player as a fourth round player maybe at maybe late third round these guys just don't have enough value to me if you can't rush the passer and most of these guys can't if you can't rush the passer and be an impact player there i just don't care i just don't care because you you can find these guys and you can find him on, on day three. You can find them in the third round, in the fourth round. You know, you can find Mike Daniels. You don't need to. You don't need to use a first-round pick on these guys. Now, you know, one option that's been thrown out there is is the potential of of trying to trade assets for Chris Jones. If if the Chiefs are going to tag him and trade him, that is on the table. I, I don't see how the, how the Packers make it work. I don't know that it makes sense for them given their cap situation. But this draft, man, look, in in, in a, a vacuum, you know, I think Javon Kinlaw would help the Packers. Derek Brown would help the Packers. Raquan Davis would help the Packers. Neville Gallimore would help the Packers. All these guys would, would be good enough to start. That's not the question. You know, not, not necessarily as rookies, but eventually. It's more about value. It's more about opportunity cost. Who are you not drafting if you're drafting these guys? Because if the option is one of them or a linebacker who you think can start, it's an easy answer. If for no other reason, then he's probably not going to play more than 30 40% of the snaps for the first at least two years that, that he is in Green Bay. So you're losing value on that rookie contract. I just I, I I don't know what the wisdom is. If you wanna if you wanna grab a couple on day three, go nuts. Grab a couple, some there's gonna be some athlete guys who didn't have production or maybe didn't play a lot, go nuts. Or don't. Or don't. You got Kingsley Kiki, you think Montravius Adams can be something, you got Kenny Clark. Maybe you signed someone, maybe you didn't. And if you sign someone, then I I'm really punting now if it were me if if I were if I were Russ Ball and Brian Gudekins and I'm in that and I'm in that room and I'm you know i'm I'm calling the shots here I'm not signing anybody unless I'm unless snacks Harrison is going to take a deep discount four million five million even at six million okay I'm I'm into it I, Michael Pierce does not move the needle for me it, it, he I I would understand it but he doesn't move the needle for me So I'm going to wait. I'm going to do nothing. If someone who could be good falls into my lap, that's great. I will draft him if I feel good about it. And if not, I'm fine. I'm fine. That's sort of how I feel about the Packers position group as a whole. They could use another body that you think can play. Maybe that just is Kingsley Kiki or Montrevious Adams. But that's it. That's it. I mean, I think their run defense can be better if they get better linebacker play, if they get better overhang defender play, better safety play, better tackling. They don't need to revamp the defensive line position. The return on your investment for doing that is just not there. It's just not there. And, and you know, if you don't want to believe me about the run defense, look at the playoff teams. Look at the data about value created, the total points numbers. It's just not there. Unless you're Aaron Donald, interior defenders do not matter that much. Unless you have a game wrecker, unless you have a Fletcher Cox or a Kenny Clark or an Aaron Donald, it's just not worth allocating significant resources. Day three, fourth round picks, fifth round picks all day. Every draft just takes someone. Every draft. And rotate bodies through. Don't worry about first round picks. Don't worry about second, third. No, 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 no. The return on the investment is just not there. And, and never sign them in free agency because the price is just outrageous. It's just too high. The rent is too damn high on these defensive linemen. So it, just, it doesn't make sense to do it. Green Bay can improve its team. I'm not saying don't improve its team, don't improve its run defense. No, no. Don't not care about it at all, but invest in places where it is actually going to matter for your team. And where you can get cost-effective solutions. Defensive line is just not it. Do not allocate major draft resources to it. Do not spend money on it in free agency for players who, who can't really help you. And the only guy who, who fits that bill in free agency is Snacks Harrison. I don't know where that line is in the defensive line. I haven't gone deep enough into this class, but my guess is it's on day three. And for me, it usually is unless I really love a defensive lineman. Like There are, there are certainly exceptions to this rule. You know, really good. I loved Fletcher Cox. I loved Muhammad Wilkerson. Some of some of these guys, I'm willing to break the rules for, and say, look, I think this guy can be special, so take him. But it turns out the NFL is really bad at at deciding that. That means I am too. So the numbers say, just don't worry about it. Just don't have really bad players, and you'll be fine. And Green Bay doesn't have really bad players. They just have kind of bad players around a really good player. And for most teams, a really good player, you know, on a, on a four-man front, when Kenny Clark is one of the guys and Preston and Zedario Smith are two other guys, three of the four, that's a really good team. Now, do you have overhang defenders? Do you have alley defenders who can play behind them? No, they don't. The problem with this team is not the defensive line. It's behind it, and that is where they have to fix. All right, we're going to have Jordan Reed from the Draft Network on the show tomorrow. He is in Indianapolis which means he is getting ready to watch the spectacle of the NFL Combine now in prime time, remember? So set your DVRs if you have other responsibilities, or just watch it. It's going to be a fun time. Uh, if you haven't gone back and listened to our show yesterday about what positions matter for the for what drills, go back and do that. Josh Norris over at, at Roto World, NBC Sports, had a great piece on what, what positions have good indicators in terms of metrics. And it's a good refresher on what to look for this week. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you'll find Locked On Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do it 920-341-3775 to stay Locked On Packers.